Hello, Clay. Welcome to another season of Star Trek Voyager. Everybody, hello, everybody out there listening and watching on YouTube, as we now are want to do. So I was a little bit surprised, Clay. I guess to open this up, that um, mm-hmm. normally you feel like people come back tanned and well well shorn uh, in between seasons, unlike me, in yes. between seasons of the podcast, like um, sheep, like like sheep would just. <laughs> The Voyager uh, crew were just clones of Dolly over and over again, except freshly shorn sheep. Do you, um, I didn't, I didn't notice anyone looked t- particularly different in this one. Am I just bad at noticing this kind of stuff? They, they all uh, have the same haircuts, right? They looked all identical. Yeah, I usually pick up on that stuff. And aside from the weird, they're really committing to that new haircut for Kess. Yeah. Which I can't. It's your going away I have haircut. To, yeah, I have to imagine that is probably not her real hair, right? So it's not like they just let her have a not wear a wig anymore. I'm sure she's wearing a different wig. Yes, I would assume her. I mean, no, yeah, it must be. I, I think her hair is darker than that. It's just so luxurious and curly. It has to be a wig. It just looks too pristine. Yeah. I think on her head. Yeah, it's but. too perfect. Yeah, it's still one of the more strange decisions they've made because it's like I, it, not to go back to the last season, but is it? Did I don't they even do remember that her just, old haircut. What's her old haircut? Is she's just she's got like a short crop thing. Oh, that's right. Usually. Yeah, she looks like an elf, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Until they did the episode where she Benjamin buttons back through her life, where at the beginning you, she has this long hair and then she keeps the long hair, and I think it's. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's only because they it they meant it to imply that that was the path they were going down was the path toward the year of hell. Yes, right, but, uh, which is the path of hair as as well. Yeah. 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 But you know, I guess that means you got to commit to it. Yeah. I mean, I remember I remember this now. I just it is a maybe it's an actress thing. The actress just wants the short hair, but I mean, it's we'll call it the relegated to the credits after the episode has started haircuts where your name is no longer listed in the main the main credits with the rest of the cast jerry ryan is now taking your place and you're relegated to also starring did they put jerry ryan's name in the opening credits yeah then there's no did they really already or whatever her name is i noticed that jessica lean was in the also starring but i didn't realize they put jerry ryan's name there immediately yep Yep. she's close to the end because i think it's only garrett wang that's after her in terms of last name, because it goes alphabetical, so she's um, she's on there. Jerry Do Ryan, we have we ever nine. have we ever come down on why and how Kess left the actress left the show? No, my my understanding of the one that I'm going to go with, just based on everyone's reading or everyone's comments on it, is it's like the show is looking to stir things up. They wanted to get rid of some cast member and replace them with. A attractive female and so the choices seem to be Garrett Wang and Jessica Lian or Lian or however you pronounce her name um, and Lian lost for some reason so not the choice I would have made I would have I would have expected if you're going for a a babe upgrade or something like just keep both of them why why get rid of one to bring in another one and Jerry if if we keep both of them Jerry you know what that means we get them both in the same scene. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Just constant sparks flying in the background as those two are on screen together. Garrett Wang was seven of seven of nine. I've got a different number in mind for these two. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, 
Harry Kim has a line in this one where he's like, I, he, when, when he gets over his sickness and he comes back and they're like, they're like, Harry, it's, it's, he's like, it's good to be back, Commander. When he steps into like his post and he's there and his, I just really wanted some character to go like, to be honest, Harry, I didn't notice you were gone. <laughs> not much of a change in terms of what's going on on the ship. This is Scorpion Part Deux. It is the first episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on September 3rd, 1997. I had just turned 14 years old in two days. Uh, this one is Two of Two in the Scorpion Arc, written by Brennan Braga and Joe Minoski, directed by Weinrich Kolbe, in-universe date 51003.7, which is 2374. Keep that date in mind. In this one, Scorpion Part 2, Captain Already Janeway for, forges a shaky alliance with the Borg Collective to defeat Species 8472. A lot of proper nouns in this one so far, a lot of capitalization, leading to a new potential crew member coming aboard in the season premiere of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, so let's get this small issue out of the way, but it's a continuation of an issue we had before, I think in the, the Unity episode, or at least I did. This doesn't really matter. This is not very particularly important. But when um, the timeline here confuses me, when Janeway <laughs> says, you're a human, and she goes, yes, I am, she doesn't go, how the fuck are you human? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that the whole time. <laughs> because she was assimilated 18 years ago. So that means that it's before the Battle of Wolf 359. Because that mm-hmm. was not 18 years ago. That happened recently in Voyager history. So is the, is the explanation that the Borg have just been petering around the edge of the Federation for 20 years and we, we just never knew that they were out there? I guess. Are humans... Do you have to be from Earth to be a human? Yes, I think so. You uh, do? I mean, you have to have originally come from the Homo sapiens species, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea because as far as what what was what has... you, what's your take on that? I, or I, like what what do you what are you suggesting could be human outside of that? Well, I guess I I was just thinking like could you could there just be humans on other planets that that's just where they're from? Like, does Seven of Nine ever identify as being from Earth? Yes. Oh, all right. Well, I have I got nothing. That's very confusing. I don't remember the specifics. I, I can't conclusively say that, but my understanding is that she is human. Like, she was of Earth origin originally. And I know that they, yeah, will have, th- they will have an episode that explains her assimilation. They do that. So I don't remember how it comes about, though, or, like, why that's the case. And I guess, I guess we'll get there. But in terms of the episode, I would expect Janeway to say, how is this possible? <laughs> Like where how how did this work this way? Because the Unity Borg were also human, right? Weren't some of them human or Romulans and stuff? Like they were they were all Alpha Quadrant, weren't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just I just I just found thought it was an odd thing. This yeah, is, I mean, because they've never made it. As their first appearance in TNG, they're still in the Delta Quadrant, right? Yeah. Yep. And it takes all that time know. for the ship to get to Earth. That one time, that ship is destroyed. So nothing comes back with that ship. Is First Contact doing something here? I don't know. Because First Contact's already out, right? That came out already. It did, I think. Did it? 
I think, yeah, maybe. I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're fired. Clay's fired up for season four of Star Trek Voyager, and we're ready to go. Hey, I just cut my hair. You can't fire me now. <laughs> Let us know if we're wrong about that, but I found it extremely distracting that no one seems to care that Seven of Nine is a human uh, who was assimilated 18 years ago. The only explanation I can come up with is if the first contact Borg ship did something and that caused a timeline malfunction, although that seems to be thinking quite a bit into it. Are you Googling it? I'm trying to find out. Uh, just keep going. I'll continue. <laughs> this is Scorpion Part 2, where the Borg are back in town and Species 8472 reveals itself to be nothing more than a... What's that phrase? When you're just a plot device? You're a Mac- Mac- MacGuffin? Just oh, MacGuffin. MacGuffin, the MacGuffin yes. of our hearts. Um, First I Contact w- came out in 1996. Just FYI. First contact, so this is 97, so it's a year later. Yeah. Um, I thought this one was, I think the patrons are going to give us different thoughts about this one. I thought this one was a little bit worse than the first part, actually. Um, this continues the Star Trek two-parter streak for me of the second part being worse than the first part in general. Um, I thought this was a... I thought this was kind of a failure of execution and a failure of... It's not a, a show and a franchise that's capable of doing what they think the point of this episode is. Um, mm-hmm. So the big takeaway is that, like, thematically, I don't think that they ever get... Um, they never satisfyingly explore, not just in this episode, but any post, post Best of Both Worlds episodes with the Borg, they never really convincingly explore what the difference is between the Borg collective and the individual mindset, really. So what they try to do in this one is that they they have Janeway and Chicote argue a little bit about it. But ultimately, the solution is to stop arguing and work together. And that's what wins the day. And so you end up sitting in a place that it's like, well, I thematically, it's kind of tough to really get into the nuts and bolts of like how the Borg and the Federation should be different from each other or like what would be interesting to be different about each other, what's the weaknesses and the strengths of each of them. And it kind of falls back into like just the kind of the tropey things of the Borg saying like you're weak because you fight all the time and we we all, we as the Borg always have the wrong answer, but for some reason we're convinced that we have the right answer because we work together all the time. So it just ends up in... Like American politics. Basically, yeah. It's the, the, the house divided cannot stand... I, I just, um, thematically, that's my big point, is that I don't think that the show and the series and the franchise is capable of really living up to this idea of the Borg being significantly different in terms of like how people work together. And just on a episode level, I thought that everything kind of lacked a little bit of gravitas to it. I don't know what I was expecting, but it, it just felt a little bit too... Um, <laughs> like too normal or something of an episode. It didn't really feel like it had the bombast that I was looking for or that I expected from it. And the first one, at least, wasn't my favorite episode of all time, but I thought that it had like the sort of, had like a little bit of like the energy that I was expecting. And this one felt a little bit lesser um, in most places and, and especially in like the Chicote and Janeway argument with each other. What say you? 
Uh, I like the Chakotay and Janeway argument stuff. Um, it was you're it, you're in a weird spot with that though, because it's like <laughs> the last thing she says to him is, "Please make sure this alliance alliance works," and he's like, "Okay, no." Yeah, and uh, very quickly does his own Turns thing. Turns quickly. Um, yeah, I think the I I I found that their argument was more interesting than the resolution. Uh, because actually they're, they're both kind of, um, coming at it from, from interesting points of view and having the, the resolution just be that, oh, well, what if we, we need to work together is a little, is a little weak. Cause I don't really think it addresses the kind of the problems that they're bringing up. Um, the thing that I found the most interesting was that I was surprised was paid so little uh, attention to was when Janeway finds out that it was the Borg who started the fight. And she's less like, ah, we're too deep now. We got to help. We got to commit genocide over here anyway. We're too, we're too, in too deep to back out now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, that it's, it's an interesting. Do the Borg specifically, I was wondering, do the Borg specifically say that species 8472 started the conflict with them in the first pl- in the first episode because i i, I was know. underwhelmed by that just saying like of course the borg started this <laughs> like thing like it, it it doesn't seem shocking to me in the way that Chakotay is like Janeway they told me they started it and i was like well this feels like a weird thing to hinge your like yeah. comeback on i think i think it's just that they're so aggressive they don't feel like people who were attacked first you yep. know um, because when when you all the way that you're introduced to them are as a species that is making the Borg run away, and uh, they don't really have a lot of time to get. Like they never talk to them long right. enough to find out what went on. Yeah, you know the the diplomacy is not in anybody's mind apparently in the first half of this. Yeah, and well, so when you get into the thing about. The Borg being the, I think it's interesting from from a Federation standpoint because now they're in a really tricky position, as in getting involved in a war that, you know, they're already siding with their greatest enemy, and now they realize they're doing it against someone who was uh, attacked first. Yeah, uh, unwarranted. That's 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 pretty tough. But it's also evil enough where you could kill them and not feel bad about it. You know, because yes. even when they go into their species, a four two continues their line of like, we're going to wipe you out because you fucking suck that like that. That's that's yeah. the extent of their development. It's not a I, I was thinking, you know, in like maybe a there's a if you were going to have this idea that the Borg attacked them first. I kind of end up in this mind frame where I'm like, oh, after you learn about that, Voyager will actually start communicating with 8472 and, like, develop them. Like, it's all kind of like, oh, this is all, like, a not a misunderstanding, but it adds, like, complexity to it. But the only communication is when they go into the the water world with them and they communicate via Kess. It's just 8472 saying, you guys are inferior to us and we're going to kill you because that's what we do. So it's like the... It actually struck me as funny It's because it reminds me of aliens, right? Like the doctor in this or the Borg in this one are like 8472 is the pinnacle of a biological organism. I'm like, how come in all sci-fi movies and TV shows, the pinnacle of a biological organism means that it kills things very effectively? There's no there's no like it fights off uh, 
fights off like the common cold effectively. It's just it murders people quite <coughs> quite well. Is the the pinnacle of all evolution? I don't know. I well, just that's thought that's what it was, they're looking for. It's in aliens. It's a uh, they're they're looking to use it as a weapon. Aliens, it makes sense, but here it's just yeah. the. I don't. I guess the Borg want to kill people too, so that's why they. That's why they want to. They want to have that thing. But yeah, yeah I just. I th- think it's. I, I was just. I think it's tough. They. It's. They. They end up in this weird position that's tough to write out of, though, because like they're. You've got the Federation backing the Borg, finding out that the Borg were the initial aggressors, and in order to make anything that the Federation does in the rest of the episode look less than a, a war crime. Yeah. Uh, you have to present what the hell like the the scorpions you have to present the scorpions 8472 uh, is that what you mean sure yeah yep. 8472 you have to present them as still aggressive enough that they have no choice but to continue with their plan which is you know i don't know it feels a little bit skirting the issue from a star trek standpoint but i don't really know what else you do so yeah i i guess it comes into the macguffin aspect of them like they I preferred 8472 in the first episode, I think, than this yeah. one. This one, they just feel like they are a threat to things, um, you know, which is cool in some sense. Actually, my favorite moment in the episode is I did like the Borg cube sacrifices itself to save Voyager. I was like, that, that was cool. I, I was like, like that, this is yeah. kind of fun. This is a neat thing. Um, but it still just highlights that 8472 is just a dangerous thing threat with nothing it's just they're going to kill you that's that's all that they are there to do um but i was surprised that we didn't get to discuss anything with them uh going forward yeah they didn't even try to talk to them really no. just Kess has those weird like telepathic flashback not flashbacks but she like sees them in i don't even know what that is because they're not in the room with her they're in like another universe is that supposed to be that they're overlapping i'm not i'm not exactly sure what's going on there I well, I think they're just talking. They're just she can just tele- see them telepathically talking to them. Yeah. Okay. The um, visions. I mean, I guess that the we can come back to the Janeway, the Janeway and Chicote argument. To me, like the uh, it's sort of the crux of the episode, and in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Best of Both Worlds because the Best of Both Worlds thing is actually probably the weakest part of Best of Both Worlds, in my opinion. Is that uh, Best of Both Worlds is set up where Picard is incapacitated, right? And Riker takes over. And the the point that they say explicitly in the episode is that Picard wrote the book on this, so I, as Riker, have to throw out the book and I have to do something wild. But And then he does basically what I would expect Picard would have done in the exact same situation, and he goes and rescues Picard, and, that, and that's it. I guess they, the episode might have something to say about like Picard would never risk the entire ship for one person or something, and so Riker ignores that. But <clears throat> this one's kind of the um, <clears throat> this one's the same to that in that the captain is incapacitated. I just thought that I wasn't really crazy about the Chakotay and Janeway disagreement. Really, like I, I thought that it it didn't have enough time to do anything. It didn't have enough. I didn't even really think that they're both characters kind of felt a little wobbly in what they thought they should do for not particularly great reasons either. Like I don't, I don't agree with Janeway's decision where it's like, yeah, we just work with the Borg. That's that'll go well. It's like, well, that doesn't seem right. And Chicote's thing is like, 
ah, they told me to go backwards. I said, fuck yourself. That's why I kept going forwards. But also his, his idea to just dump the Borg and run feels like it's not thought out particularly well either. He's like, we'll give them the idea. We'll give them the weapon. And then we'll just get the hell out of here. And it's like, well, that seems like a bad idea too, uh, Chakotay. So I don't know. I, I, I thought that there, if that argument is going to be the central thing of your episode, I think it has to be a, a little bit more interesting than where they ended up with it. And I don't know where else to go with it outside of saying that. Yeah, I think Chakotay's plan is not particularly good. Yeah. Uh, it's <clears throat> dumping them off on a random planet. I. It's... Yeah, it's just not particularly well thought out. Um, I think Janeway being like, if it were me, I would have flown back four days in the other direction is a little bit weird. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. Or the thing yeah. that they should have done. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not It's not a... Uh, I feel that the, the best of both worlds thing, even though that is the weakest aspect, I, I feel like that's more... That's a more believable um, difficulty for Riker, I think. Here, it's like, like and also Janeway kind of went under. You know how, like, when the the presidents always have their colonoscopy and the vice president is president for like four hours while they're while they're under. This felt kind of mm-hmm. like that. It's like she took a nap and he <laughs> took over for an hour and was like, "I'm going to do what I want now." And yeah. It just, I, again, it, to me, it just felt like it lacked gravitas. There was, there's no like crew argument about this. It's just a mild disagreement about what the best thing to. It's not mild. That's kind of being uh, like kind of wishy washy, but it's like it's. I just, it felt like a minor squabble between a first officer and a captain in a way that I think they wanted this to be a real important decision that Chakotay was making. Yeah. Um, I think the, I, I think the fact that he jettisons everything so quickly makes it um, feel like it has less gravitas to it because he, you know, he's got the scene where he goes in and he talks to her while she's asleep or knocked out or whatever, and he's like, "I'm sorry that I have to do this" or whatever. Yeah, but like he doesn't really, it doesn't really uh, weigh on him too much that he's, no. he's not following her orders, you know. Doesn't have a like single scene where he's alone thinking about it. That's always a classic trope. You always have the character just sitting, looking out the window, thinking about what he has to do. I think also part of that might be that the actual stakes of the moment are a little unclear. Because, um, like, I don't know. If 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 I'm Chakotay and uh, Seven of Nine tells me that the other Borg are being blown up by the 789 people mm-hmm. um i'd be like oh that's a shame i guess we should probably just keep going forward because there's nothing <laughs> stopping us from getting through borg space now <laughs> there's nothing back there that was worth going back to yeah let's keep moving on yeah like you don't even have to i mean if you want to jettison the borg i guess you could i, I guess the reason you would need to to get rid of them sorry we're both we're all everyone's sorry, suffering through colds fit. Including Kay, Jesus, playing, I'm sorry. including myself. Um, I think the reason that you would need to go back is because the Borg who are like the reason you would need to jettison them is because I guess the Borg who are on your ship could theoretically take over the ship. Yep. 
Um, That's my understanding of why yeah. you just get rid of them. Yeah, but I, I, but they I, even they they start don't they start doing a thing where like their seven of nine is kind of like a little bit removed from the the link or whatever. It seems like they just need to go out of Wi Fi range and you're fine. Yeah, you mean when she goes into like the tunnel to set up the deflector thing and Chicote shoots the rest of the Borg into space, or do you mean just being like I? I guess that's a good segue into seven, right? So seven uh, obviously makes her introduction here, and I think that I think that my problem with seven is that's established in this episode or like the setup for it is that um, it feels a lot like Voyager aping best of both worlds for no particularly good reason. And it's like, so like the logic of why she's introduced it in the first place is very confusing to me because they go, they go, Jane was like, Borg, me and Tuvok here have this idea. Let me slowly explain it to you through verbal language. The Borg go, this is too fucking slow. We're going to hook you into the thing, the net, and you're going to tell us about it. She's like, no, I refuse. Let us talk to one Borg. And they go, okay. And there's no... The the reason in Best of Both Worlds, it seemed like Locutus's whole point was that you were talking to one person. Like, it seemed like the reason that he was used was that, like, you're used to talking to one person. Here is one spokesperson for us. So it's like a single Borg that you can talk to. But yeah. the Borg in this one say, we want to speed up our communication and Janeway says, okay, well, let's do that by talking to one Borg who will then relay the information back to the hive. It's just, it's again, it's a small minor thing, but it feels like it's the show aping TNG in a way that doesn't make a particular lot of sense for the way that Voyager is trying to set itself up in this episode, introducing a character this way. Yeah, I think also it is just funny the way that it... Um also, hopefully my mute button is working because I'm coughing my fucking lungs out. I, have, but, I haven't heard a single cough. Okay, good. Um, let us know in the comments if you want to hear my coughs. <laughs> it's a Patreon uh, I th- exclusive. <laughs> I think what's funny about it, too, this is just a stupid thing, but uh, Picard becomes Locutus, who's who's basically like the one who was given voice to, you know, is in his name. Yeah. And with seven of nine, it's like literally they gave you a middle manager. Yeah, yeah. She's the, well, she's the, what is she, the Archbishop of the Unimatrix Zero or whatever her, like, for a full, yeah, full title is. Yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's kind of a sweaty way to, to get uh, a singular Borg to, uh, um, to be the focal point and, and to bring on as a kid. I was surprised that there wasn't more... For, for the way that it ends... With seven of nine being like, or I should say, with Janeway being like, maybe she's she was human once. Maybe we can make her human again. Whatever. Yeah, her um, colors come back. I was surprised there wasn't more involved with that because, like, obviously it's the Borg, so there's a different rules applied, I guess. But like, you're still abducting somebody, yeah, and ostensibly forcing them to deprogram from the thing which like i i guess it's just it's a little weird to me just because it's if it was like someone they recognized or something that would make more sense but they just are grabbing a random borg and being like maybe if we disconnect this borg we can turn them back into a human and they will thank us for it yeah is 
We have friendship. We have the the Care Bears power of friendship will just hit them right in the face and uh, there'll be nothing nothing none the wiser. I mean, I guess it's, it's like like would how would how would maybe this is a bad example, but like if you were to randomly grab a Scientologist yeah. And like abscond with that Scientologist and try to deprogram that Scientologist. Would you feel great about that? Or would you be or would there be a part of you that'd be like, you know, they might not love that we did this because it's we just kind of forced it on them. Yeah. They well And I'm not saying that Scientology is is the Borg. Something to aspire uh, no, well, no. <laughs> I'm not saying it's something to aspire to either, but it's yeah. It's just like I don't know. It, it, it feel, I guess what I'm saying is, what they did feels like a move that you do to someone who either wants it or is a character that you know, and not just a random person you grab off the street. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, so to correct that situation, I guess what you could do in this one is that. It would kind of tie into like how I think that you, it probably maybe might have been wiser to portray Seven. Is that I know it's a TV show and they can't really do this, but the I'm not crazy about the Seven Axes Locutus function. I just don't find that to make a lot of sense when yeah. the Borg are literally communicating with Janeway the same way that Seven does. There's no difference. It's either you're talking through one Borg body or you're hearing the multitude of voices of the Borg all say the same thing at the same time. And right. so, I, I, I you know, in, in a more arty, less television-y, Star Trek-y, franchise-y way, there seems like there could have just been a thing of, like, Seven is just a random Borg in the background until she's the only Borg left on Voyager, you know, I when they all get sucked out. I was thinking that, too. I kind of thought that's what they were going to do. Yeah. And at that point, I think that her speaking in an individual voice once the link is broken then i'm like okay now she starts talking like this like this actually kind of makes sense and she gets her color back and stuff like that and at that fixes your problem in that it's still kind of an accident that she's left on the ship like they try Mm, to kill her with all the other borg but she's just the only one that's left and she was hanging on to the the pole or whatever the hardest and didn't get sucked out um that probably would have fixed both of the problems and i think it would have massaged um both of the issues that we had me with the sort of her speaking as the voice and you with her like is this the right thing to do to her yeah it feels more like almost like once they solve their problem and they get out of there that's when they realize there's still a borg on the ship you Mm -hmm. know like she's been incapacitated or something right after they've gotten out of there obviously it's tough to do because they do something actively to sever her link with the collective yeah so you need to come up with some other bullshit reason to yeah, do that. Yeah, just, just work around that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah that's probably an easy fix. Um, you know, like when she sets off that laser that cuts a hole in space-time, it actually severs her link to the thing or sure. whatever. You yeah. know, it's yeah. easy yep. as that. <clears throat> but, you know, once they get out of there, they realize, oh, shit, there's a Borg left here, no longer linked to the collective. And then it's like, you know, instead of... Instead of uh, forcibly removing someone, it's more like they found a feral cat that they have to nurse back to health, you know? That's also, I think, to rewrite the episode, that's when you, that's when the doctor scans her and learns that she's human and there's no need, there's no ability to respond from her. Like it's, it's kind of like a little cliffhanger or something at that point. Yeah. 
But what did you think of I, seven outside? Oh, sorry, you can say whatever. No, you want. I was I was just gonna say my my biggest part issue with the whole thing was, uh, the when when they plug Ch- half plug Chakotay into everything and he like talks her down. I, I, that was pretty silly. I think that was. <laughs> I didn't like that stuff. He's been a Borg before. He knows what it's like. He's out. There. I totally. When did that happen? I completely forgot about Unity. That. That's the first Borg episode. Oh, right? yeah. Right. He, he connects himself to them. He has that montage of like uh, Borg communication, which is just a montage of like seeing yourself with loved ones or whatever right. all the time. Yep. That's um, right. What'd you think of Seven in her first appearance? Um, I thought she was. I. This is a stupid detail. I was really glad that they didn't put her in heels. I noticed okay. that she was walking in in flat Flat-footed. shoes. Yes. <laughs> and I, cause it's like, it's such a stupid thing that they would do now where it's like, they would put her in like, you know, wedge heels or something. Yeah. 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 Still like why, why does, why does Wonder Woman have heels on? Yep. It Unnecessary. Hurts, Horrible hurts, to fight in. Hurts that much more when you get kicked with a dagger yeah. of a heel. No, she doesn't have heels. She's, she's also kind of covered up. She's not in a cat oh, yeah. suit yet. She's wearing her full bo- uh, Borg. She's got a, they spent more money on her suit than they spent on Locutus, I can tell you that much. Yeah, it's a better looking costume. What'd you think of her acting as a board? I I don't know. I'm on the fence because I think you're in this really tough position when you're playing a Borg. Kind of like when you're playing a Vulcan, where it's like how where do you draw the line on emoting? And I felt like she was acting a little too normal. Yeah. Um, I think Patrick Stewart does an underrated performance as a Borg. Yeah. Locutus. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you have to, you have to be f- robot like, but also, you know, you got to carry some of these scenes. So where do you draw the line on, on what you decide to do? Um, but yeah, she felt, she felt a little too human. Uh, for for me, there is a. I don't know if you remember when this started. I, if first contact was a year before this, and this is the year after, and we've only had a couple, one or two Borg Voyager episodes since then. There, there's definitely been a shift, and I don't remember the first contact Borg being this way. You can remind me if they're not. There's a shift where the Borg go from ruthlessly cold-hearted and unemotional to kind of being bigots in a way like they're condescending <laughs> towards you know like they yeah they yeah. they start off as a we like very mechanical we will assimilate you we will take you and add you to ourselves and that's what we do but i think it's during the voyager borg and seven epitomizes this is that we think you are beneath us in a way like we are borg we have better ideas than you do but it doesn't work because the Borg's ethos itself is that we are not yet perfect, but by bringing you in, we improve ourselves. So you must have something to offer. Otherwise, why are right. we assimilating you? And I think Freddie DeBoer, I think that's his name. He's the uh, like the Marxist writer on Substack. He wrote a thing about the Marvel movie, that new Marvel movie, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. I only the read Marvels. the first little bit, so I can't really summarize it, but... He brought up something that I think applies to Seven. He's just saying, I'm really tired of this new modern trend of uh, like the the powerful independent woman is just kind of like a sassy, like condescending 
um, cut you down to size type character. Like there's the because uh, what's the um, what is it Miss Marvel in that movie? Is that the the character? Well, there's three of them. There's Captain Marvel. There's Ms. Marvel. Marvel, and then there's uh, as yet unnamed third Marvel. But I assume he's talking about Brie Larson's character. Brie Larson's Captain character. Marvel. And I, I haven't seen that movie. I don't know enough. But it strikes me as somewhat accurate that that's like the the default position when you go for like a a stronger female character is to have them sort of be like um, snarky, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. And And Seven represents this snarkiness, I think. And I also don't, just don't think that I preferred the Borg when they were just like this robotic thing instead of just kind of being antagonistically superior to you, like annoyingly having a complex about it almost. Yeah. I, without getting into it, would say that is an unfair take on the Marvels, but that's a completely different conversation. Sure. Yes, probably on the first movie, but I don't, I don't think that's the case with the new one. Okay. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I but I think that's I don't know. I don't know if that's I don't really know if that would if they would have Seven play any differently regardless of whether or not she was a man or a woman. It's tough to say, obviously. Um I I I think it's I think it's less I think it's just more that you're in a weird position playing one of those characters as to how uh how do you choose to play some a, a species like that that is so far removed from humanity while still also being engaging to watch in some form, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think you get Are around there to, better better takes on it? Probably. I think you get around it by not having them be so snarky immediately. Like I I can understand this becoming Seven's characterization, but to start that way. Because the the Borg voiceover is not that way. So what the what the episode seems to be saying is that this is innate to Seven's character. Seven is the one who speaks this way and has like mm-hmm. sort of a superiority complex over everybody. So I'd be okay with that if that's a post sever concept. I I just think that she like the early representation of her makes more sense if she acts more like Locutus did, which is just like, I just speak, but I don't really have any opinions of my own about anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... I don't disagree, and I think that is the better way to play it. Um, But, yeah, I think it just comes down to an acting choice, honestly. I mean, I don't know how much of it is right, because, I mean, if you look at at those lines, I don't have them in front of me, obviously, but I feel like if you look at them on the page, they might not read as snarky as it seems. No, I would agree with that. I I think that I... And I would actually say that Ryan's performance makes the script, the dialogue, seem a little bit worse than it actually is if you were writing it as a Borg voice, I think. Like, she... Mm -hmm. She just adds a little bit of like, um, it's just like a little bit of stink to it in a, in a way. Like, because uh, yeah. th- there's some line in particular, I think that, like, j- just the way that she says, We are Borg, I think, written just straight ahead as We are Borg, captures what I think she's trying to say better than her, We are Borg, or like, We are Borg, or whatever. It's like this. It's just the excessive um, stress on it. I don't know. I, I just think that she's. I think yeah, she's going to settle also, into the role potentially. But it, yeah. here, it just seems like it's like I, I'm not sure if I'm crazy about this yet. Yeah, I think I think 
she's trying to at the very least trying to to do something memorable you know because if if the new the new cast member on the show i'm i'm sure she's trying to figure out what the way to go is to make it uh engaging or or whatnot you know yeah Espe- especially given the position like if they if they did what we were talking about and just had seven of nine be like one of or seven of nine borg on yeah. voyager yeah and she just happens to be the one who who comes out at the end that's different but they are putting her pushing her to the front specifically and so it makes sense especially if this is a person who's gonna be sticking around that they would you know put a little bit more uh a little bit more zip on it yeah a little bit more oomph I don't know. I mean, it's in some ways, it's just kind of complaining about the way that the Borg eventually go. But I, it's, it's a, it's clearly they were clearly a concept that did not have a lot of wiggle room with them before you start going like, yeah. I don't know if this is the right thing to do with these guys. Um, I think it's so. I think it's so funny that like, and I, I think this is the right choice in this instance. But to go from the Borg who are all so flat and uh, uh, cold. To when the Borg Queen shows up and she's just like over the top and like sensual Sexy. and stuff. It's like, yeah. I, yeah, I feel like that's that makes perfect sense to do that in that situation because like that character is not interesting if it's just another Borg, you know? Yeah. Although to Freddie's point, she's another condescending, snarky female character that the Borg, like that's. Well, yeah, the, but she's the Borg Queen. I know. Of course she's going to be. It's not, his point's not incorrect, right? That's not, it's not wrong. Yeah, I, I think it's it's. Why I, I guess the question is why does that become the default for individual Borg to break out of that way? Like it's yeah. Because, and I guess they touch on it in this one. Like you do have something unique with Seven, which is that she was they say assimilated when she was a child, and it's been eighteen years, and the Borg are the only thing that she knows. There, I think there is room there to wiggle around with what she thinks about things. And obviously, I think that the show will get into this as it moves along. Like, they have to do seven. Seven has to be different somehow. It can't just be Picard breaks free of Locutus and is sad about it. Um, I just say it's it's a... I think I'll just probably never be happy. And I don't even know if there is a good way to write this, to to write what it means to break away from the Borg hive mind and that where that leaves you as a person, really. It's, yeah. it's a it's a difficult concept to understand and it's probably an extremely difficult one to write in a way that feels like it's a natural development for that thing. Yeah, I can only assume it's similar to when you decide you have to stop eating the Oreos or without otherwise you'll eat the entire box and that's just depressing for Unacceptable. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else about Scorpion Part 2? Um, I'm getting an internet uh, latency warning here, so apologies if I drop out. Uh, Kess has the worst scream I've ever heard. When she the, sees in that the first alien. Scene, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they forgot to go in and overdub a better scream or something, <laughs> but it was just like, ha! Ah! It was really bad. I mean, she's been fired, Clay. You think she's putting her she's she's putting her best That's foot true. forward here? Is the it's not? I thought she did pretty well for someone who knew that they were not going to be on the show anymore uh, after this. Yeah, so, you know, that's that was fine. 
it's crazy. It's still just crazy to me still that like this is the character you are cutting when Neelix is there and literally is not in the episode at all. Oh, uh, he's in. He doesn't say anything. He's in that conference yeah, room he's, scene. He's yeah. there, like you yeah. know, he exists, but he doesn't do anything. He exists. Who you would have cut Neelix? He would have been your go-to. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. useless. Yeah, especially as they get out of space. He's familiar with. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably yeah. There's, there's a few that you could cut. Like, I, I actually see nothing wrong with getting rid of Harry Kim either. I don't think Harry Kim accomplishes much, but Neelix has, um, Neelix has personality <laughs> in, in contrast to poor Harry, uh, but it's just kind of well, a annoying personality. I, I think it's, uh, they don't give, I mean, you can argue about whether or not Garrett Wang is a, has personality as an actor, but yeah, they don't yeah. really give um, Harry Kim a lot to do. Like, you could, because I think, Keeping Neelix around makes sense because he's a, a different texture on the show because he is a much lighter character for the most part and allows yeah. you to tell different kinds of stories. Yep. Well, you're telling me you can't do that with you couldn't just shift that to Harry or Paris. I mean, Paris is fucks around as much as Neelix does. You couldn't shift yeah. that to him. I think if anything, think give Kim, Paris more to do. Yeah, I think Kim is just supposed to be set up as the um, the audience avatar. He's supposed to be like yeah. the everyman character. It's just that he's not a, it's not a very. And when the the ratings drop below a certain bar, they get rid of Harry Kim because clearly nobody's watching anymore. So they don't need yeah. that. Yeah. But he's still here. He got voted super sexy on TV Guide and he remains. All right. Well, anything else about Scorpion that you want to bring up? Mm, not that I can think of. All right, then we'll go to Patreon Thoughts. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed the content today, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we will read them on the on the podcast here. My brain, I went into auto mode there. I might have said a whole bunch of nonsense. <laughs> Patreon is where you support the show. You can leave comments on upcoming episodes and we read them. You can also get access to a whole bunch of podcasts that are out there. There's like 200 of those things that you can listen to all by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash the Penske file. So now, Clay, we're going to go to our Discord, and I am going to send you the messages from some of these people. I'll read the first one, I guess. Uh, let me know if your voice, if, if you're coughing too much. I can try to read as many as I can. Sure. This is Kyle Barrett. He says, Scorpion Part 2, a good action episode that's not quite as strong as Part 1, but still solid, largely due to Chakotay's continued characterization. I like seeing him and Janeway at odds, but Seven's discussion of Borg versus Starfleet ideas of unity would have meant more if the crew and their interactions were messy and standoffish in every episode, not just this two-parter. It's neat that the plan at the end is a mixture of Chakotay and Janeway's ideas resting on the perennium between the two. With Chakotay's Scorpion double-crossed, but Janeway's more emotive and understanding desire to connect to Seven's humanity. I like Seven, but she's just a drone at this stage, and I would have liked some voice modulation, at least until the cube is destroyed. She's introduced to breathe new life into a stagnant show, like an estrogen air freshener, and it'll actually work because she's a great character, and yet, to quote David Brent, people say she's just a big pair of tits. Four <laughs> out of five. Estrogen air freshener. Bob 
Jay Kester says, Scorpion Part 2, the episode gets the big stuff right, so it's easy to overlook the little stuff. I love how when Janeway broadcasts from the cube, everyone instantly switches to don't do what Janeway says until us Chakotay confirms mode. On a lighter note, Torres telling Kim he's still got a bit of a tendril in his nose is a perfect bit of character. Tuvok, the literary critic, would approve. In sum, five out of five, peak Voyager. Wow. Tax Albert says, Scorpion Part 2, a fairly solid action-heavy episode. It's interesting to see a power that can challenge the Borg in straight combat. Chakotay is at odds with Janeway for once in 7 of 9. Uh, I assume he means one, one of the best Star Trek characters ever is introduced, even if she isn't really that character yet. Also, this is the basis for Star Trek Armada 2, a video game Wes will never play. That's correct. <laughs> Changeling says, I bought Star Trek Resurrection. Uh, I have not gone or Resurgence, Resurgence, not Resurrection, Star Trek Resurgence. But um, I played about five minutes of it. I thought about streaming it, but it, it's it, the five minutes I played didn't grab me. Changeling says, Scorpion Part 2. I don't know, but watching this episode so far removed from the previous one makes it difficult to follow or to care about what's going on. I couldn't imagine waiting three months for a new season to air. I do not know how you old timers did it. Are things that different now? Really? Not really, right? Uh, you still have breaks between seasons of television. Yeah. I, you know, I'd be curious to know how many shows end on cliffhangers like this now. Yeah, uh, don't. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't watched a lot recently, but don't. Mo- well, I guess because there's so many miniseries now that, that focus on that. But don't Netflix shows typically on, end on a little bit of a cliffhanger to get you going? Not sure. I don't remember. Most of the new series I've watched have been sort of designed as single season standalone stuff, so they don't yeah. they don't do that anymore. I honestly, it it might be a little harder now with new shows because I feel like that for a lot of them, the space between them, especially for streaming shows, tends to be a lot bigger. Like uh, they just finished up season two of Loki, and I guess the first season of Loki kind of ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah, and that was like two years ago. Just so much more, yeah, so much more stuff. So maybe I disagree with this this comment. We, you're you're uh, you're waiting just as long as I think we did. Uh, that being said, I like this one, and how and I love how casually rude Seven of Nine is, just pushing people out of the way of the console. And that constant, I'm tired of your shit tone she uses whenever she speaks. You could just re- replace every line with fuck you and it would work. Five dimensions filled with that green slime that used to come with the mute, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys out of five. Oh, yeah. Remember when they used to give you slime with toys? Gak. All the Ghostbusters all the Ghostbusters toys came with pink slime. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it was made out of. It couldn't have been good remember, for you, whatever um, it is. It always remember hardened Flome? into plastic. Do you oh, remember yeah, Flom? Flom was pretty ha- fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Flom was just liquefied styrofoam. <laughs> and it would, it would, like, it was little well, balls. Yeah, it, it was had like the styrofoam. Little balls in it. Yeah. yeah. And you could make shapes and stuff. There was, a, there was a time where just little balls of things was. Remember that Orbitz drink? It was just a drink with like those floating gelatinous yes. balls. Yep. <laughs> yep. I remember the advent of Dippin' Dots as well. Yeah, Dippin' Dots. Which. You know, I don't know if I've ever had Dippin' Dots. I've had it. It's pretty good. I, I would Is recommend it? people eat Dippin' Dots. Yeah, it's good. It always seemed like a waste to me. Like yeah. I, if it's a, if you have to choose between Dippin' Dots and ice cream, 
I'm probably going to go with ice cream. Yeah, all things equal, yes. But if you're at Six Flags and the only thing you got is a Dippin' Dots, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of a Dippin' Dots. That's fair. What did Six Flags combine with? Six Flags combined with some other theme park. What's the other big theme park? Oh, recently? Yeah, they merged. Uh, There's something in in Ohio, I think, that they merged with. Uh, I guess they'll they'll just cross-brand. Because the nearest Six Flags to us, I think, is Springfield. Does that still exist? The Springfield Six Flags? I think so. Uh, thank you, Changeling. I know that you... place used to be uh, Riverside. The Six the, Flags, the, did. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, six. I think it was is it Springfield. For some reason, I thought it was like Worcester. No, I think we you're had right. Whalen it's Park. Fur, it's further out. Whalen Park was in like Ludburg or something. It was some some uh, northern central mass town. You'd have a whale of a yes. time. <laughs> six Flags, New England. Is in Agawam, Agawam. Yeah, that's that's Springfield. It's the same thing. Yeah, there you go, Springfield. Yep. Um, Jaron Hatch says Scorpion Part Two, much like its cousin, The Best of Both Worlds. The buildup is a bit stronger than the climax. The action is fun, but it feels a tad disjointed. The conflict between Chakotay and Janeway is great, but I really wish it got more focus and attention than it does. The resolution also feels convenient and rushed, as Little Voyager single-handedly defeats two impossibly powerful super races. Seven of Nine, however, makes a strong impression and makes up for a lot of shortcomings in an otherwise entertaining episode. Four magic nanoprobe torpedoes that instantly nerf the new big bad replacement out of five. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like that, that weapon they come up with is too good, I think. It's super effective, yep. Oh, and uh, I don't think Voyager continues looking like it's Borgified. I don't think that's something that they maintain through this, although it's kind of a neat touch. They don't keep all their extra Borg parts that boost their speed or whatever? Maybe they do, but the Voyager model or the CGI model at the end of this looks like it has Borg parts stuck to it. Like it's like has that green glow to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it continues that. Jonas said Scorpion Part 2. Scorpion Part 2. Just to make sure that my Control F found it. I found both of them. This episode is superior to Part 1, mostly because it's less about a bigger, scarier monster than the Borg, which no rational viewer finds convincing, and more about the well-acted tension between Chakotay and Janeway. Janeway's order to Chakotay from her sickbed was some of Kate Mulgrew's best acting. Five welcome absences of Neelix out of five. Malibu. How do you feel about in video games when you uh, you get to add shit to your gear? So yeah, the th- it always bugs me when I'm playing a game based off of something like Batman or Ghostbusters or even like Mad Max. Yep. Where it's like you can upgrade your gear and your your outfit and stuff to be more efficient or whatever it is, and it always makes it look less like the thing from the movie. Yeah. Like I I just want I want to have a, a proton pack. I don't. That that one that, that in the Ghostbusters game you actually have the op- option to use the upgrades but keep the original look which is yep. nice. Yeah. But uh like I don't need I don't want all this extra shit on my bat suit. I just want blue and gray and a yellow belt and kick some ass. Yeah. No, I agree. It's also um cuz I played Red Dead 2 uh fairly recently and I just started that finally. And a, a lot of that is like there's a hunting Mini game, like side questy type thing. It's like an activity you can do throughout the game, and once you kill all the different animals and you get like uh, their pelts, you can turn them into outfits for yourself. And 
I love the concept of that. The problem is the outfits don't do anything for you. And most of them are semi-comical looking. So it's like, it's just like, you know, you have these things of like this very serious story and you're wearing like a skunk hat and it's just like a skunk face, like sitting on your head and as the character is looking and stuff. And it's like, well, I don't know if this is, I understand what you were trying to do and this is a fun game, but I, I wish this was done a little bit better. I like it in spite in like the games like Spider-Man where Spider-Man by the nature of his character has gone through so many costumes that yeah. you get to kind of have some fun with the things you can can open. Yep. But uh cuz all costumes yeah, was, exist already. This you're not making something right. up. It's just you're copying what was there. Yeah. I like the um the Spider-Man. I don't know if it's a game design. I don't think I've seen it. The Spider-Man in the game is kind of neat. I like like the he has like white outline around the spider. Sort like there's Oh, not, I hate that. You don't I like that? that? I like that. I, I think it that's like a little bit of a I don't know what it does. It like sort of breaks up the colors or something kind of interesting. Yeah, the, the traditional Spider-Man costume is a perfect design. Adding white to it only makes it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're doing a whole new costume, well, that's different. Yeah. Malo Perverso. Scorpion Part 2. I believe I speak for everyone I say that Seven of Nine was a great addition to the Voyager crew. Is written like a Donald Trump tweet. And a much needed, because everything's capitalized, and a much needed breath of fresh air to the series... Fuck Cass. Also, what are you guys' hypothetical thoughts on Captain Janeway dying and Chicote becoming captain permanently for the rest of the series? Dare I say that it would have been an improvement? Thinking emoji. Also, did not feel like y'all not not fe- not feel to y'all like Janeway. Oh, my brain is melting. Should have, could have seriously died in this episode, like in that parable that they were pushing at the fox frog stung by the double-crossing black scorpion. Five out of five consensual assimilations. Should Janeway have died? Was there a question? (laughs) I think think he's asking if Janeway should have died permanently, much like the scorpion. I don't don't think she should have, but I was thinking about it. Um, Specifically, I was thinking about Voyager as... I feel like if they had done Voyager now, what would have been interesting about it is I bet they would have, you would have some more leeway to treat it like, say, The Walking Dead or something, where it's, they're, they're, what they're doing is such a long trip that you have this wiggle room to be like, you know, not everybody's going to make it. Yeah. You know, sometimes even the captain might die and then have to be, so the crew that you end up with might be very different than the crew you start with. Um you know, taking uh, some people getting on, some people getting off, dying, whatever. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if that would improve the show. It probably wouldn't, but it's just interesting to think about a Star Trek show that does that. I could see, um, I could see a modern version of Voyager pulling something similar to a Michael Burnham, which is that Janeway is the first officer when they get lost and the captain dies in the first episode. You know, yeah. it's like then you have to take over. Um, I don't know why my control F does that. Artorius says, Scorpion Part 2, the new season starts off with a sevenfold upgrade over the previous one. Goodbye, Kess. You won't be missed. It was a nice direction to have Chakotay deviate. Disagree. It was a nice direction to have Chakotay deviate from his captain and go a different route once he took command. And geez, those weapons are effective, especially the Borg-wide dispersal one. But it begs the question, why would the Borg be so opposed to them being dropped off on a planet with all the research and the weapons? It's a good point that I, I was trying to say, and I just never said it so simply. I, it was like, why would you give them the thing and drop them off? 
Um, you would think it would be easy for them to assimilate it and adapt the tech to a faster create munitions in this war than having Voyager do all the heavy lifting, not to mention eliminating the potential single point of failure. Four sevens out of five. It's a good point. I agree with that. Patrick Seba says, assimilate Harry, it's not a bad choice for Voyager's general morale, but not Captain J and let Tuvox lay as they both are plot integral. When left all alone, Rick B. felt his bone, wanted the crew roster to fill. So Seven's on board that outfit, oh lord, but Kim lives, hmm, who shall we kill? Five minutes for Chakotay to drop down the list of Star Trek vessel commanders out of five. And our final comment, it looks like, <coughs> only a few for this one. Jonathan J.K. Morris says, Scorpion Part 2, I like the encouraging music they use... I like the encouraging music they use one time. It's a change from the usual flatness from the TV show. I liked the conflict between Chakotay and Janeway as well, something the show never really let us have enough of. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts at patreon.com slash Lepensky file. We are here. Oops. Up at the top now. You can join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Lepensky file. Leave your thoughts. We'll read them. Right now we're going, uh, people can leave thoughts about The Gift, Day of Honor, Nemesis, Revulsion, and The Raven. And we'll get to those all in short time. I'm going to say the patrons gave this a 4 out of 5 as an average. Maybe like a 3-7 or something like that. But it's close to a 4. What say you, Clay, on a scale of 1 to 5? What are you going to give this one? Scorpion Part 2. What did did I give Scorpion Part 1? A 4. I'm going to say, yeah, I'd say it's about the same. I think I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to give it a three. I think I liked it a little bit less. And um, I thought it was just like a solid episode of the show, really. Just it, yeah. it, it kind of functioned as it needed to. Um, did everything without being sort of uh, interesting about it. Like it just kind of competently marched through the material. Uh, so I'm going to give it a three. I thought it was fine. I prefer part one, and I think part one is kind of a four to me. I would show people part one, even though it doesn't make sense to show people part two without part one, but I, I think part one would go over more easily. You know, uh, I don't know if I 100% agree with that. I think I think you could show people part two, and they would get it. Yeah. For the most part. They'd and enjoy I, I mean, it as much honestly, as watching part one. <clears throat> I don't know about that, but uh, I if honestly if you if you're putting it on the list of important episodes, part two is honestly probably more important than part one. Yeah, just because it's seven of nine. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. If I was if I was picking, I was if I was saying if you're going through the the list, I would not split them up. I would say yeah, you just watch both of them. Yeah, yes, I would. Um, yeah, Scorpion's a must. I kind of have to watch episode if you're going through Voyager, but. Um, Quality-wise, as a standalone thing, I think that this is just slightly a little bit of a worse episode than the first fair. part. Um, I guess the last question is, uh, there's some review I was le- reading online that um, thought that Seven's introduction was actually a hindrance to the plot in that they had to work in this new main character that you have. This is probably, I don't remember specifically what they were talking about, but it's probably the thing that we were talking about. It's just that seven is like a little bit of a distraction really like having that character. Um, So I guess we both kind of agreed with that. I, 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 while I was watching it, I never felt like, Oh, I can see the machinery spinning of trying to get this character in. It felt 
okay enough that it was working, but I think maybe it's just it, it detracts enough to notice uh, or think about I, it after it's over. What If I was watching this not knowing anything about Seven of Nine, I would be surprised that she does that she comes back like i, I don't think that it's mm. so distracting that it it, it is obvious what they're doing i yep. think it's she kind of i feel like a lot of the borg episodes really kind of focus on a single borg yeah because you know then they can talk to him and shit yep. so it doesn't feel that out of place to do that um so while it's maybe may distracting just for personal preferences i don't necessarily think that it's it feels like they're shoehorning a new character in yeah agreed it's not unusual for the franchise to treat individualized borg like this so that's it thanks everybody for listening we're done with scorpion part two we're marching into voyager season four next up is the gift and we say goodbye to Kess. so we hardly knew ye thanks everybody for listening we hope you enjoyed the content we'll see you next week with the gift bye